Today on the Locked On Blues podcast, the St. Louis Blues are hours away from puck drop in Game 2. Tommy and I are going to be giving our thoughts on how we're feeling after Game 1. We're going to be talking about more about the, the Jarrett Spurgeon lack of suspension and what to expect in terms of physicality and retaliation tonight. Uh, and then giving our picks for Locked On players of the game and the keys to what it might take for the St. Louis Blues to come out of this series or come out of this game with a 2-0 series lead lots of stuff to talk about today make sure you stay tuned you're locked on blues your daily podcast on the st louis blues part of the locked on podcast network your team every day ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the locked on blues podcast the locked on podcast network and another one source for daily Blues content. I'm Josh Hyman, and as always, I am joined by Thomas Welch. We got a busy episode for you guys today. The St. Louis Blues are up 1-0 in their series against the Minnesota Wild. Took game one on the road in convincing fashion. So segment one here, Tommy, is all about how we feeling after that. So we're going to get into that. I want to thank anyone and everyone out there for making Locked On Blues your first listen, because we are free and available on all podcast platforms. Now, game one, we've talked about it, or at least I've talked about it. David Perron, first playoff hat-trick in his career. Philly Husso, first goalie in St. Louis Blues history to have a shutout in their playoff debut. And the Blues come away with one of their few shutouts of the regular season, in, or of the season, I should say, in convincing fashion. Tommy, I don't know if Game 1 could have gone any better in terms of my confidence levels right now. Well, I think it could have gone a little bit better just in regards to the penalties, but I think, I mean... When you break both ways, when, though. Yeah, when you break down the bare bones of it, I think the difference in penalties from the Minnesota Wild and the St. Louis Blues was not that much. I think they had six apiece ended up. If not, they were close. So I, I think it was more the officiating was uh, uh, a little bit more ticky-tacky than we've seen in playoffs past, which is, I mean, you're going to get referees that happen like that, and it's whether or not you can adapt to that, and the Blues absolutely did. Uh, I think discipline was huge for the St. Louis Blues. I mean, you talk about, we'll talk about it later, Spurgeon, a guy that's got, I think, 10 penalty minutes on the entire season, up for the Lady Bing Trophy, uh, starts cross-checking Buchnevich in the back of the leg. So if you know that that's happening with the Wilds' captain, you know that they're getting rattled and you're getting into their yeah. head. So I think that's huge for the Blues, uh, staying disciplined and uh staying physical because we saw a lot of bodies thrown uh being thrown around and most of the time it was the minnesota wild on the receiving end of it so uh, the blues are a big team you love bringing up that stat josh they're the biggest team in the league and uh they use their size to their advantage especially when it comes to playoff hockey so uh, i think that that ben- that absolutely benefits the st louis blues in this series and honestly for me uh i felt pretty confident i think i said the blues in six coming into this series so I, I felt pretty good about it a lot of people said seven game series like each game's going to be close I think Seth said that it's going to be a seven game series and five of the games are going to be in oh overtime which I mean by all accounts it could still happen right but I I think taking those things into consideration I, I even told Seth like when it comes to head-to-head matchups I feel like people underestimate that a lot when it comes to hockey and say oh it's playoffs it's a different beast all these things but at the end of the day like me playing baseball growing up, like if I went up against a pitcher a lot of times and a, and the majority of the time I got a hit off of him or I'm hitting gappers, like I'm just seeing the belt, the ball well off the guy, right? And I feel like there's some kind of essence in that with hockey with a guy like David Perron who 
played so well against Marc-Andre Fleury in years past, you can almost kind of expect him uh, to have a good performance against him in goal. And lo and behold, game one, dude, nets a hat trick. So, and I don't know if there's some... All three goals from like the same spot yeah, too. And they were like very similar and just coming off the rebound and throwing it back on, right? So I don't, I don't know if that's calculated. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just uh, creatures of habit, Perron putting himself in the right position and knowing that uh, Fleury gives up those rebounds. Who knows? But I think... There's some kind of leeway and rollover into that with the St. Louis Blues mindset mindset every time they go up against the Minnesota Wild. And uh, obviously there's a bunch of different moving parts that go into a team, but I think when it comes down to it, the Blues know how to play against the Wild, get into their heads, uh, and come out victorious the majority of the time. I mean, they're like they've won their last like six games against I don't even know. They're up to like fifteen games uh that they haven't lost against the Minnesota Wild. So uh, if I were a betting well, in, re- man, in regulation, I believe they're like 11, 0 and one in their last 12. So they have one overtime loss, like two and a half seasons ago. Right. So, I so, mean, yeah. you can, you can say all you want about how the playoffs are a different beast, but statistically, if you're going to bring down analytics with, which I know Dom, uh, at the athletic loves to do, and he loves the Minnesota Dom, wild. What, what, what's his last name? I have no idea. Labushkin. Le- <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Lewinsky, I yeah, Lewinsky, <laughs> Dom Lewinsky. There it is. No, but I, dude, I I think I'm more confident now um, after seeing the Blues play Game One than I was at the beginning of the series, the and same, I was pretty yeah. confident at the beginning of the series just because of the matchup and everything. But um, even when we were playing five on five, I think a lot of media talked about how Minnesota Wild would run away with the game at five on five, and that's where they have the advantage. It didn't really feel like they did. Um, it felt like the Blues still kind of controlled the game, but uh, when so many power plays are happening and the Blues ended up getting a lot towards the end of the game, but I think it was already out of hand. So uh, even though the Wild didn't score on those power plays, it still kind of gives them momentum. But obviously, I mean, what can you say about Billy Hu? So the dude absolutely shut the door. If I were to use one word to describe the, the state of the Minnesota Wild in that game, it would be frustrated. Um, and I think we saw that boil over. You know, later in the game, not just with plays like the Spurgeon, uh, the Spurgeon cross check and stuff like that, but just making mistakes. Um, they hit a ton of posts, which you know, as a fan, we know how frustrating that is. I can't imagine what it's like as a player. Uh, couldn't convert on the power play. Uh, couldn't solve Billy Huso. You know, on home ice, the Wild were frustrated from the beginning. Um, but they still played hard, and like we said, we saw that kind of boil over there uh, with that Spurgeon play. So in the second segment, we're going to be talking about that frustration. Um, whether or not the Wild are going to channel that into maybe some positive energy tonight, uh, because you know they're in need for a big rebound game, or maybe we're going to see some a uh, bit of a bit of a violent uh, sixty minutes of hockey tonight. Um, that's that's more towards what I'm leaning towards because um, no suspensions being given out last game makes me think that uh, some Blues players are, are going to be watching that video a little bit before puck drop just to, of the Buchnevich play just to get a little little motivation. So we're going to be talking about that. Uh, our expectations for the game and more in the second segment. But before we get into any of that, the Blues have looked like an absolute wagon. Uh, now, Rock Auto doesn't have parts for wagons, unfortunately, but they do have parts for cars and trucks with the ever-increasing G-wagons. number of makes and models. Yeah, there you go, G-Wagons. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind you... Behind the counter, orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. When you have access to rockauto.com on your computer and on your smartphone, you can save time and money when using Rock Auto. 
Uh, plus, Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Uh, Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every single customer, so you can go explore their easy-to-use website to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. And we'll be right back with the second half of today's episode. All right, Tommy. So you made a, a good point uh, a couple weeks ago about this Blues and Wild uh, matchup, about how it's sort of similar to the matchup between the Blues and the Blackhawks in years past. And the Blackhawks, when they were at their peak of just owning the Blues, were kind of like the boogeyman. You know, it was like every time you're against them, you know it was going to be a loss or you know you're going to get so close. It was like almost like, like I said, a mythical creature, like something you just, just David versus Goliath. Can't you slay you the can't dragon. beat him. Exactly, exactly. And it really felt like from opening puck drop, the the Minnesota Wild had a bit of a of a David versus Goliath mentality. They kind of played like they were having an uphill battle from the start. They played frustrated from the very beginning, I think. They got away from their game a little bit. They were trying to force passes here and there. Marc-Andre Fleury was giving up some big rebounds. It felt like the Wild weren't comfortable at all uh, from the beginning, you know. And... I mean, we saw it kind of uh, boil over with that Spurgeon play, which we'll get into in a, in a little bit. But what I want to ask you is, you know, flipping things from talking about the Blues, do you think the Wild can channel that frustration into positive play? Or do you think it might be more of the same tonight, especially being reaffirmed by getting, I don't want to say embarrassed on home ice, but putting up a pretty pretty pitiful zero-goal performance on home ice in Game 1? I don't know, man. I don't know. You think the Wild can rebound? Well, here's the thing with that, Josh. I think I don't I think if the Wild try to get into uh like a heavyweight match with the St. Louis Blues, like although they they beefed up, they brought in Delorier and they they've got some hefty guys over there that'll lock you down and uh put your teeth into the glass. I don't think they stack up against what the Blues are throwing at you with Shen, with Barbashev, with Bertuzza, with Mikula, the way that he played last game. I mean, they've got someone on every line that can throw down on you so um even if they play peak to their physical game i don't know if they're going to be able to go toe-to-toe with the giants that the st louis blues have and so that being said if they i don't know if you knew this tommy the blues are the heaviest heaviest uh, team team in the nhl statistically logistically statistically (laughs) but i think analytically i think so so i think with that if they attempt to do that and they find out that it's not working that's when you kind of start resorting to the face washes and the scrums afterward right and then that's when um, you can end up getting like super frustrated, mad at some guy, like laughing in your face because they're up a goal, and then pop them in the face. And next thing you know, uh, you're putting the other team on on a power play. Which, if the Blues are on the power play, I think they scored two last Forget game. Forget it. Maybe two and a half. I, I don't know. Okay, they switched yeah. one, then they changed it back, then they changed. They switched it, again. it and then they switched it again. They they changed it again. I, I don't. All know. I know is I the Blues know. have one of the the best road power play unit in the league, if I'm not mistaken. So if you're gonna be putting those guys on the power play, and that, and one of the best power plays just in the league overall. So if you're gonna if you're putting those guys on the power play, uh, you're absolutely putting the game at risk. Now. The Blues uh, were more disciplined, but even when they're not disciplined, Justin Falk pops a dude in the face. You put them wild on the, on the penal- on the power play six times, and they still didn't score. So I think we said all along that this series, if it turns into a special teams matchup, 
the Blues are going to run away with it. So that doesn't benefit the Wild at all either. So their their key to victory is is keeping the game five on five, keeping their composure. But if the Blues come out physical and they want retribution for what Spurgeon did and start putting guys into the glass, like if you're the Minnesota Wild, what do you do? Just not hit them back? Like that's that's difficult to do. Okay, you mentioned Jared Spurgeon. I talked about it on my solo episode, but I, I wanna I wanna get the get the conversation out of my own head because I've got some thoughts. Now it's not just Spurgeon either. Like Boldy hit, had that hit on Letty too. If he's a game time decision and he doesn't play, then that's two potential retribution plays that the Blues could be thinking about in the back because of their head. So even if you don't think the Spurgeon play is worth like the Blues coming out and putting someone into the glass, the Letty one might be. So your odds are good there. The thing that gets me, and and I said something a little controversial on my solo episode when I compared the the Spurgeon play to the the Kyle Clifford play that he Kyle Clifford got suspended for, and my argument was at least you could make the argument that the Kyle Clifford play was a hockey play in some sense. It was a dirty hit. It was an illegal hit. However, checking is a part of hockey. I agree. There is 0.000 parts of hockey that involve cross-checking someone directly where they do not have padding against the ice. Like, or their leg at all. Like, even just, like, cross-checking in the back, like, that's a penalty. But, like, most of the time, like, guys do that to try to move guys out of the crease. Like, cross-checking someone in the leg isn't just inherently dirty. In my... Yeah. In my yeah, mind. I mean... You do that in like a men's league, you, you got an assault charge. Like, I'm, it, it's, it, coming from a guy like Spurgeon, it, it just blew my mind seeing something like that. Like, we're lucky that Pavel Buchnevich didn't like rupture his Achilles or, or fracture something or, or whatever. Like, we're lucky that we're sitting here not discussing a Pavel Buchnevich injury. Can you imagine if, if one of our best players was injured off of something like that, like intent to injure by default is a match penalty. Um, and like no suspension, $5,000 fine. That's like finding me 32 cents. Couple like, come on. Yeah. Come on. Like uh, it's and the thing that, the thing that frustrates me and I said this on my solo is if we're setting the precedent that that can fly, someone's going to get suspended tonight and it might be a blues player. I'm obviously may, may, probably not, but like you're forcing that to be taken into the hands of the players. And I'm not saying they got like a picture of Jarrett Spurgeon on their wall with X's over his eyes, like wanted Dark dead board. or alive. Yeah. But like we saw the way that this blues team played in 2019. We know what Braden Shen can get like when he's a little angry. Like if that's the way that this series is going to be officiated and those are the type of plays that are is going to happen, it's only going to get worse. Like that's game one. It's going to be chippy. It's going to be, you know, aggressive. And again, who, who knows what else is going to happen? If that's, if that's game one and that's not a suspension, I'm I'm a little worried about the direction of this series in terms of physicality and in terms of like extracurricular stuff. Um, I think the Blues, having you know been there before, no, they know what they can get away with, and that's kind of the recipe for success they had in 2019. Is boy oh boy, did they know what they could get away with, and they took advantage of that to a T. You know, they played right on that edge. They played right. You know, they they, they pushed the envelope as much as they could. A lot of people call them dirty, but like they just played within the way that the rules were uh being enforced 
Um, and yeah, who knows? You know, there were a lot of comments of, uh, was it, uh, was it Braden Shen that said, well, good thing we got another game against him on Wednesday. Like they're not, they're not being subtle. They watched the video. They know what happened. I don't know. I just, it just, it just frustrates me because I, I don't want to see this series get out of hand and not suspending someone for a play like that is exactly how a playoff series gets out of hand. To that point, though, I think Craig Berube was very noncommittal about uh, the Jared Spurgeon play. said he didn't see it. I feel like he did see it or at least heard about what happened. He said, I'll go take a look at it. Um, but even then, like, talked about, like, physicality and, like, you know, things happen in the playoffs. Like, guys get agitated. It's our job to be disciplined. It's our job to go out there and handle our business, and we did that. So I think... Um, I think one of the biggest things in 2019 was overcoming stuff like that, like beyond the game, like that can get players agitated, like the hand pass, like stuff like that. And I think Craig Berube does Craig Berube does such a good job of that, and like talking to his team and calming them down and saying, "Hey, like this can absolutely get your get you off of your game. Don't let it come out there. Handle your job. Don't let them like frustrate you. Don't take dumb penalties just because you want to put a guy into the boards, like." Just play your game. We know we can beat this team. Let's go out there and do it. So I honestly, I could see, I could see the Blues. I could see Brayton Shen like dropping the gloves right off the bat with Spurgeon. I could see him not touching Spurgeon the entire game. It's kind of, it's, but there's nowhere in between really. It's like two extremes, you know? I saw, there was a good reply to uh, one of my tweets that was like, we should, we should let Spurgeon off the hook for like two games. So he's playing with his head on a swivel. Just scared like the whole time. Games. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That would be exactly. smart. Like, like that uh, that episode of Drake and Josh where Megan told Drake and Josh she had like an epic prank coming and they were like nervous all day mm-hmm. and the whole prank was that there was no prank. Yeah. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. I hope I hope Ruby is showing that episode instead of film. Um, I'm just watching Nickelodeon. Anyways, dude. Oh, Drake and Josh though. OP. Um, anyways, in this third and final segment, we're going to be getting into the keys to tonight's game and given our picks for locked on player of the game which we never established. Are we doing are we doing 2 points per correct prediction in the in the JTAP standings? I think we should. Two all right. All right. So regular season was 1 point JTAP. I know you're listening. Double or nothing. Tonight's predict tonight's prediction, the official start of the playoff locked on player of the game picks. I'm I got to spend this ad break thinking about it because uh I I want to win. It's for big money. My my yearly salary versus yearly salary. Pride. Did we we yep. Ego. Oh, yeah, and that and pride and pride. Uh, that being said, though, before we get into that, I want to tell you guys about our good friends over at Built Bar. Now, summer is coming, and with summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. You can throw them in your bags, in your kids' backpacks. Make sure that everyone has a bar so you're fueled for whatever summer adventure you're going on. Best part about Built Bars, they're healthy and delicious. No more sacrificing delicious food for health. With Built Bar, you can have both, and it's easy. All you have to do is go to Built.com and order now. Plus, have you tried Built Puffs yet? If not, you're missing out. Everyone's going crazy for them. They're uh, protein-infused marshmallows. They come in crazy flavors like banana cream pie and even churro. Who doesn't want a protein bar that tastes like a churro? And plus, I know. They're only 140 calories. Uh, and that's that's on the high side. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. And we'll be right back to wrap up today's episode. All right, Tommy. So game two, 9.30 Eastern time. 
Uh, before we get into locked on players of the game, since it's a playoff series, you know, we got to talk about adjustments and, and, you know, schematic changes. What do you think are the keys to the St. Louis Blues continuing their success against the Minnesota Wild? Any changes being made or you think they should just do more of the same? Oh, I think, uh, yeah, definitely keep the lineup the same as much as possible. If Letty doesn't play, it sounds like Mikula is going to move up to the first pairing with Pareko and you're slotting Rosen in. Rosen, towards the end of the season, was playing fantastic hockey, so uh, excited to see what he brings to the table, but yeah, it's it's the same it's the same mindset, same dynamic going in. You went out, took care of business, game one, 4 nothing victory is about as impressive as you can ask, especially for a road game starting off the series in, uh, uh, in enemy territory, so it, more of the same, especially from Vili Huso. I think just a brilliant performance from him. Uh, definitely looked consistent and uh, made me eat my words for sure. But um, I don't. It's going to be a whole another can of worms come uh, come the off season to see what the Blues do with that. But that's a conversation for another day. The conversation for today is I think the biggest uh, like the biggest changeup that's going to happen in Game Two is from the Wild. Uh, I think they mixed up their lineup a little bit. Kulikov, I think, is not playing. Um, but I think the biggest thing for them, which I'll be uh, anxious to see what they do here, is their biggest shutdown line is their grief line, if I'm not mistaken, right? That's like the talk of the town, like uh, Erickson Eck and Feligno and all those guys, like they're about as defensive as you can ask for. So they were sticking them on the Robert Thomas, Tarasenko, and Buchnevich line. And obviously, the Ryan O'Reilly and Perron combo uh, absolutely tore them up. So I'll be I'll be curious to see if they switch that line onto Perron and O'Reilly and open it up to see uh, what Robert Thomas, Buchnevich, and Tarasenko will do. I think they will, just because you don't want to let David Perron beat you single-handedly again. And with his track record against Marc-Andre Fleury, it's, I mean, you could make the assumption that He'll probably have success against them again. Uh, so I think the locked-on player of the game, for me, needs to be on that Buchnevich, Tarasenko, and Robert Thomas line. And I think Buchnevich is due. And I think he's got uh, he's got the emotion there because, you know, someone tried to decapitate his leg last game. The Blues are going to be feeding him. Decapitate. You heard me. Knock it off. I think he's got the added emotion to go out there and have a fantastic game. And I think he's going to. So my locked-on player of the game is going to be Pavel Buchnevich. Lock it in. I like that. We're going with we're going with the big dogs today. Now, I'm gonna add some justification for my pick because uh well he may not show up on the score sheet, I think he will. He's gonna have his work cut out for them. It's a guy that I think maybe had the best game out of any blues player um last game, and his name isn't David Perron. It's Ryan O'Reilly, and here's why. Capo, uh, Capo, I almost said Capo Caco. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov, missed, mixed up my, my double K names. Um, Kirill Kaprizov is one of, not only the best players in the Minnesota Wild, one of the best hockey players in the world, and he wasn't a big presence in Game 1 at all. And that is thanks to the captain, Ryan O'Reilly. Not only did Ryan O'Reilly do a tremendous job of shutting down the Minnesota Wild's best players, he also did a tremendous job at everything else on the ice. I'm pretty sure he was like 60% on face-offs. Um, had himself, was it a goal and an assist in there as well? Played a ton of ice time. Uh, and like I said, shut down that Capo Caco line that was so good for the Minnesota Wild. Capo like Caco. The key to their offer. I did it again. <laughs> Dollar Bill Kirill, baby. I don't know I don't know why I'm saying Capo Caco. I don't think I've ever once said that name on this podcast. I'm a uh, long, long week. <laughs> Kirill Kaprasov. 
He also probably shut down the Capo Caco line when they yeah. played against the Rangers. That's Just with his mind. With his mind. That's true. That's true. Okay. Let's get this back on track so I don't do it again. I believe that tonight he will once again shut down <clears throat> Karel Kaprasov and the rest of his line, um, as well as hopefully contributing on the offensive end as well. We know what he did in the 2019 run. He set a, or tied a record with the great one, Wayne Gretzky, by scoring in five consecutive Stanley Cup final games. Um, didn't have the greatest offensive regular season, but has looked like he's kind of turning it on for the playoffs, and I expect more of the same tonight. Um, That's what I've been curious, good... too. Sorry not to cut you off. But I I feel like a lot of the veteran guys on the Blues, maybe like David Perron for sure, Ryan O'Reilly for sure, even maybe like Tyler Bozak. Like I feel like all of them, we always talk about this, like, Having those veteran guys that have Stanley Cup experience, like they know how to how to how to gauge the the gas meter, right? And they know when to like turn it on, and like they know they're gonna have to conserve the tank near the end of the season because once the playoffs starts, you gotta give it everything you've got, right? Yeah. Do you think Ryan O'Reilly's been doing that throughout the season, and that's why he's been like because we haven't really needed him to be that offensive force that he usually is because we're so deep and because I mean 920 goal scores what are you going to do right not a big deal right but i yeah. do you think he's he's thought of that in his mind and said okay i'm going to like conserve the tank and conserve my energy and then once the playoffs start i'm just going to give it everything i got and then this is what we're seeing now is the resurgence of the captain and Ryan O'Reilly and the Con Smythe winner and the Selkie winner and just MVP caliber player that we maybe didn't see for the majority of the season offensively because like i don't think his defensive play dropped off right. at all i agree and like it's not like he had less goals than he should have you know it's not like he was getting unlucky i i don't think he was in as involved in the offensive end i maybe by choice honestly um because like you mentioned there were eight other guys you know on the roster capable of scoring at will practically so, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's kind of pulling a LeBron James and, and coasting during the regular season and then and then turning it on in the playoffs. Because um, I think we saw the most aggressive Ryan O'Reilly that we've seen in a long time uh, in game one of that series um, Monday night. And for that reason, that's why I picked him, because I think we've, we've, we're truly going to see, you know, that 2019 version of Ryan O'Reilly once again. Um, you know, two years ago... Uh, against Vancouver, it was tough. You know, everyone was gassed. You couldn't really judge it. And then he, last year, they were out da- without David Perron in the first round. So O'Reilly really hasn't had a chance to really prove himself in the playoffs since that cup run, um, you know, with a fresh slate. And I think this is his time to do it. You know, he was the most valuable player uh, in their Stanley Cup run in 2019. And like I tried to, to say, he might have been the most valuable player for the Blues in game one. So, you know, it's it's not a coincidence. Um, that and for that reason, like I said, locked on player of the game, absolutely. Now, JTAP, when you're making these judgments, I don't care if if Pavel Buchnevich has more points. If uh, if Ryan O'Reilly shuts down uh, Capo Caco, that's that not that how that works. That, no, yeah, I, I'm gonna need some some grit in it, taken into account. I I, I, I could think see both him of those are great I, points. They're both, I think, prime candidates for locked on player of the game. Because I agree with you that. David Perron had the hat trick, but I think Ryan O'Reilly was the best player on the ice for of anybody, maybe besides Billy Huso. But yeah, uh, any skater, absolutely. any forward, yeah, for sure. All right, give me a score prediction. Um, I'm gonna say four to one. Sixteen to three. I'm gonna say oh. four to one, and I will say right now, this is a guarantee. It's a locked on guarantee. Billy Huso's not. Billy Huso's not letting in more than two goals for the rest of the playoffs. 
for this game. I don't know. Maybe the rest. I would say three for the rest of this series. Just because we play the abs and you never know. My score prediction. Let's go. I'm thinking 5-2 with an empty netter for the Blues. I like it. I, I think I think the Blues are just too much for the Wild to handle offensively. Um, should be a fun game, though. And uh, we'll have the reaction for you guys tomorrow here on the Locked On Blues podcast. That being said, though, that is all the time we have for you guys today. I want to thank everyone out there so much for listening to our show. Make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. Uh, check us out on YouTube as well. We've been posting a ton on there, getting a lot of subscribers, getting close to 250, which is awesome. Quarter of a thousand. No big deal. Uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button there. Hit that notification bell. Whenever we upload a new video, you'll be the first to know. Leave us a comment. We'll try to interact with all those comments and you know, reply to you guys, all that fun stuff. Follow us on all of our socials, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook at Blues. Follow me at Josh Hyman NHL. You can follow Tommy, other side, at twelcher 15 There it is. Oh, I'm all out of sorts today. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, let's go Blues.